You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and he calls us to preach the word in season and out of season. We pray that as you listen, you'll be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. Here at Cross and Crown, we believe that the Bible is God's word to his people, and that means when we read it, we are hearing God speak to us. Our passage this morning is from Genesis chapter 17 from verses 1 to 14. I'll be reading from the CSB version. I'd encourage you to follow along in your own Bibles, and the passage will also be on the screen. When Abram was 99 years old, The Lord appeared to him, saying, I am God Almighty. Live in my presence and be blameless. I will set up my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell face down, and God spoke with him. As for me, here is my covenant with you. You will become the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram, your name will be Abraham, for I will make you the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful and will make nations and kings come from you. I will confirm my covenant that is between me and you and your future offspring throughout their generations. It is a permanent covenant to be your God and the God of your offspring after you. And to you and your future offspring, I will give the land where you are residing, all the land of Canaan, as a permanent possession, and I will be their God. God also said to Abraham, As for you, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations are to keep my covenant. This is my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you, which you are to keep. Every one of your males must be circumcised. You must circumcise the flesh of your foreskin to serve as a sign of the covenant between me and you. Throughout your generations, every male among you is to be circumcised at eight days old. Every male born in your household or purchased from any foreigner and not your offspring. Whether born in your household or purchased, He must be circumcised. My covenant will be marked in your flesh as a permanent covenant. If any male is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that man will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Friends, it's good to see uh, all of us gathered here today on a very, very uh, special occasion. Uh, because we'll be dedicating young Elias to the Lord, and we'll hear more about what that means in just a moment. Uh, Maybe you're here as a friend or family of Ben and Grace, and we're so delighted to welcome you here. Uh, We've got a cracker of a passage for you to understand what this is all about. Uh, But also, if you call Cross and Crown home, uh, you'll know we're hitting the pause button just for one week in our series from Genesis 26 to 36 to cast our minds back to chapter 17. Well, here in chapter 17, we find something so important that helps us understand so much of this book. But it's strange, isn't it? Why this passage? 
And on a day where we're dedicating young child, why are we talking about circumcision? It's a strange reading about a very, very strange practice. Maybe uh, you don't know the Bible all too well. It's all a little bit foreign and unfamiliar to you. Genesis is the very first book of the Bible. It's older than 1000 BC, and it tells the story of our world. It's an ancient account of how our world was created, who we are as human beings, where we fit in this world. You see, it might be an ancient book written in a foreign language, filled with strange practices, but can I say it has a very relevant message. You know, it's strange to many of us today, but circumcision is still practiced by many Jewish people. But for those of us here who come from a different culture, it can seem really odd, can't it? But if you pause to think about it for a moment, so can many things that Christians do. Every Sunday, Christians stop working and we gather. We listen to someone speak from the Bible and somehow in some way we believe that those words are the very words of God. Every Sunday, Christians get together and we sing songs to God and to each other. We pray together and sometimes we even share in a meal called the Lord's Supper which I know for some of you is a little bit disappointing as you come up and get a little piece of gluten-free bread and juice. At other times, Christians even do something called baptism, a strange practice where they drench someone in water, and today we're dedicating a child, Elias, to the Lord. If you're a Christian or you grew up in church, all this might seem very familiar, but put yourself in the shoes of someone who's not a Christian. It all seems pretty odd, doesn't it? It all is a bit weird. It's all a bit strange. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, you might look around at everything that's going on and feel that this is as strange as circumcision. You might look, and look around and wonder why. Why all the formality? Why the prayers? Why the songs? Why this talk? Well, this passage from Genesis is about a strange practice of circumcision. And I want to say, it's actually going to help us understand and explain what's going on here today. This ancient book, written in a foreign language, filled with strange practices, is actually going to help us understand who we are and where you fit in the world. We're going to see a problem, a promise, and a practice. A problem, a promise, and a practice. Let's look at the problem It's right there in verse 1. God appears to a man named Abram, and this is what he says. I am God Almighty. Live in my presence and be blameless. Just think about that for a moment. I mean, even if you don't believe that God exists, imagine, thought experiment for a moment that he does. God appears to you, and of all things he says is this. Live in my presence and be blameless. Wow. Blamelessness is a pretty high standard, isn't it? How in the world can I be blameless? See, you might be a pretty decent person, pretty nice guy, pretty sweet girl, but blameless. Now, blameless means without fault. I mean, that's something else. In your honesty, you might go, okay, I'm good, but I'm not that good. And that's the problem. We cannot be what we need to be. 
God requires that we're blameless, without fault. Because it's only once we're blameless that we can actually live in God's presence. It's only we're blameless that we can know and relate to and love this God who created us. Genesis is an ancient book, but can I say, it tells us precisely what's wrong with our world today. It's not the broken relationship that humans have with the environment, as awful as that is. It's not even the broken relationships that we have between races, ethnicities, genders, or classes, as painful as that is. You may have heard this quote before. The Russian author Alexander Solzhenitsyn writes this, The line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart, and through all human hearts. It's true, isn't it? And yet I want to say it doesn't go far enough, because the line that separates good and evil doesn't actually run through every human heart. No, the line separating good and evil passes between humanity and our Creator. You see, whoever you are, Whatever your story might be, we all share the same fundamental problem. We have a broken relationship with the God who created us in love. Why is that relationship broken? Because we are not blameless. There's full of things, in fact, in my life that I know that I can be blamed for. We're full of pride, greed, and lust. We're self-centered, selfish, self-absorbed. We don't want our creator to be our king. No, I want to be the master of my fate. I want to be the captain of my soul. So it's true. I have no doubt that almost all of us here, I want to say almost as a caveat, that, that are a pretty decent person. Pretty nice guy, pretty sweet girl, but I don't think any of us here can say that we're blameless. And the Bible tells us that if there is a shred of fault in us, it it sunders and breaks our relationship with the God who created us in love. You see, without being blameless, we are without God. And without God, we are all like cut flowers, separated from the source of all life, destined for certain death. No, we cannot live without God. And the only way we can live in His presence, the only way we can be with Him, the only way we can restore that relationship that all of us need is if we're blameless. So God comes along, He says to Abram, get rid of your fault. Stop being proud, greedy, and lustful. Don't be self-centered, selfish, self-absorbed. Make me, God, the captain of your fate and the master of your soul." But are you thinking what I'm thinking? I can't. It's almost like the dad who keeps telling his son, stop crying, and the kid goes, I can't stop crying. I can't stop being selfish. I can't stop being proud. I just can't get rid of my fault. I can't be blameless. And so God, you're just, you're not giving me a solution. You're giving me a problem because if I can't be blameless, then how can I ever live in your presence? If I can't ever get rid of every last shred of my fault, then how in the world can I have a right relationship with you? How could I ever make you king of my heart where I can't get rid of the sin in my heart? 
Sure, even if I could live a perfect life from now on, I can't get rid of the things that I've already done. I can't wipe the slate clean. I can't rub out that sin, that problem, that mistake, that fault that I made that I just can't scrub out of my heart. I can't be blameless. Thank God he doesn't just give us a problem. He gives us a promise. Look at what he says to Abram in verses 2 to 8. Let me summarize it for you in these words. God promises Abram, I'll do for you what you cannot do for yourself. I'll do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Look at what he says. I'll set up my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you greatly. It's just like in a marriage. A covenant is a relationship bound by a promise. And God promises, I'll restore the relationship that you broke with me. I'll fix the very thing that you shattered. He says to Abraham, you'll become the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I will make you the father of many nations. God makes this promise, right? He says, I'm going to restore our relationship, but I'm going to do more than that. I'm going to give you a new name, a new identity. I'm going to give you a whole new life. I'm going to recreate you so that you've got a life that, was, that is what it was always meant to be. You see, in the beginning, God created all of us. He said to Adam, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, bless the world. But instead, what do we do? Instead of going out to bless the world, we look in to just bless ourselves. As I said, we're selfish, self-centered, self-absorbed. We're not being who God created us to be. But here's God's promise. I'll give you the fresh start, the new life, where you'll be everything that I created you to be. But here's where it gets even more beautiful. It's not just a promise for you. It's also for your future offspring through their generations. It is a permanent covenant to be your God and the God of your offspring after you. Friends, can you hear what God is promising? He comes to this man, this this nobody in the world, and he says, I'm going to make you blameless. I'm going to make you what you cannot make yourself. But I'm going to do it for your kids as well. I'm not just going to create a new man. I'm going to create a new people, a new humanity, a new group of people with a new life, a new start, and a new hope. You, Abraham, will be the father of a blameless people all of whom can live in my presence. And the heart of God's promise is right there in verse 8, I will be their God. You see, that promise means that God isn't just saying, I'm going to make you, Abraham, blameless. It's him promising that I'm going to make all of you blameless as well. It's a promise made thousands and thousands of years ago that God made with you on his heart. God promises to restore our broken relationship by making you blameless for all the wrong things you've ever done, for all the wrong word that you ever spoke, for all the mistakes you've ever made, 
for all the fear, the guilt, and the shame that you carry with you every day of your life, God says, I'll forgive it all. All the things that make you blameworthy, I will wipe away. All the faults that stain your past, I will wash clean. All your sins that broke our relationship over and over and over again, I will forgive. God says, no, God promises, I will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. I will make you what you cannot make yourself. And you might go, how? How can anyone do anything like that? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm willing to bet that everyone in this room lives with some regrets in life. We live with the mistakes, the faults, the sins of our past that we carry with us forever. And you kind of wonder, how is it possible that anyone could ever take that away? How is it possible that anyone could take that fault which is like branded onto my conscience and my mind that I just can't wash away? How could someone make me blameless? And God says, I can. I'll make you blameless. I'll take away all your fault and I'll do it through one man. I'll do it through a child of Abraham. A child of Abraham. In verse 8 he says, And to you and your future offspring, I will give the land where you're residing as a permanent possession, and I will be their God. You see that word right there, offspring? It's another word for descendant or child. And and God's not talking about many children. He's not talking about many offspring. He's not talking about a whole family. No, he's talking about one child, one descendant, one offspring. One man, one person. God is saying, I'm going to give you a child who will fulfill my promise to you. He comes to Abram over a thousand BC years ago, and he says, there will be a child born of your family. And this one child will be the one to fix our broken relationship. This one child will be the one to forgive your every sin. This one child will be the one to wash away all the stains of your past. This one child will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. This one child will make you blameless. There is one man in history who will come as a saviour and he will be from your family and he will fix everything that's wrong with our world and he will fix everything that's wrong with you. Human history is the story of us watching and waiting for that one person, for that one seed of Abraham who will make us blameless. And all throughout the Old Testament, it's like, is it him? Is it him? Is it him? Is it Abraham? Is it Isaac? Is it Jacob? Is it Joseph? Is it King David? Is it King Solomon? And the answer is no, 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 and no. And so humanity continues to watch and wait. Come thou long expected, Jesus. Who will be that seed of Abraham who will come and make all things new? All of human history is watching and waiting. I'm not naturally a patient man. 
In fact, if someone says to you, I'm a patient man, it probably means they're not. I, I don't have much patience, and I don't have a good memory. When I make an order at Macca's and they say, this is your order number, 186, I forget it as soon as I see it. If they don't print out the docket, I'm lost. I need something to remind me. I need something visible, material, and tangible to keep me holding on. Not to a silly Macca's meal. I need something to keep me holding on for something far greater. I need something to remind me of God's promise that one day he will send a child, that one day the seed of Abraham is coming, one day there will be a saviour to come who will make me blameless. And so he gives a picture, a picture. It's right there in verse 10. This is my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you, which you are to keep. Every one of your males must be circumcised. You must circumcise the flesh of your foreskin to serve as a sign of the covenant between me and you. There's the picture. Why? Why this picture? I mean, why is, I read that and I feel uncomfortable, right? Couldn't, couldn't he have chosen something a little more discreet? Something a little less private? Something a lot less painful? What? I got Why not a tattoo? Tattoo, still, you know, still a little painful, but not that painful. Maybe, a little, maybe even a little bit edgy, right? But God gives circumcision as a picture for a very specific reason. Because it's permanent. It's as irremovable as his promise. But even more than that, as somewhat awkward as it is to say, it permanently marks that part of the male body which conceives a child. It's a bit crass, but circumcision lies where Abraham's seed is literally contained. Can you see, circumcision is a permanent reminder that God promises to send a child a child who will make us blameless. That's why it's circumcision. It's a visible reminder that through Abram's seed, at the very place where circumcision is marked, God will do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. So for generations, Israel circumcised every male, either born into their nation or joined it to their people, and they did it as a visible, material, painful reminder that one day God would send a saviour. Until one day, around the first century AD, when for many Jews, circumcision stopped happening. Because at the literal turning point of history, God sent that Savior into our world. Jesus came. The descendant of Abraham was born into our world to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus came to fulfill God's promise to Abraham. Jesus came to make you blameless. Jesus came to make us right with God again, and Jesus did it by taking all our faults, all our mistakes, all our sins, all our blame, and paying the penalty for all of them on himself. Jesus died the death that we deserve for all the blame that we deserve. He took our blame for us. He came as the start of a new humanity who would have a new life that never has to be burdened by the sins of our past friends. Can you see? Jesus is the true seed of Abraham. 
It's why at Christmas we celebrate the coming of the Lord Jesus. We celebrate the fulfillment of Genesis 17. And it's why Christians, thank God, don't practice circumcision anymore. Because the seed of Abraham has been born. Circumcision was the picture of the carol that we just sung before. Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us, let us find our rest in thee. Circumcision spoke those words, come thou long-expected Jesus. And at Christmas, we sing those words, joy to the world, the Lord has come. So what are we doing here today? Thank God, we're not here to circumcise Elias. I'm sure he'll grow up till one day, thank us. Not because circumcision is bad, but because it's not needed. It pointed forward to something that we already have. It pointed forward to the birth of Jesus, which has already happened. See, friends, we don't need to look forward with longing. We can look back with confidence. We're not circumcising Elias because Elias already has the seed of Abraham. He already has Jesus. We don't need to do that anymore. Thank God for that. But did you notice that circumcision was for children as well? It wasn't just for adults who trusted God's promise. It was for kids who were too young to even know that promise. Children were circumcised not as a sign of their faith or somehow that they were saved. They were circumcised as a reminder of God's promise. The hope was that in years to come, the child would see their circumcision and think, aha, God made a promise to send a child to make me blameless. I should trust him. So what we're doing today is similar, but a little bit different. We're not making a sign of God's promise. No, if we were baptizing Elias or someone, that's what we'd be doing. Because in baptism, what we say is, you are a child of God's promise. And God's promise to send Jesus to make you blameless, that's a promise for you. Now, that's not what we're doing today. We're not signing or sealing a promise. Instead, we're simply making a prayer. We're praying that one day, just like those kids in Genesis, Elias will grow up to trust Jesus for himself. We're praying that Elias might one day come to realize, wow, Jesus is the only person who can make me blameless. Jesus is the only person who can take away all my fault. Jesus is the only person who can fix my relationship with God. In dedicating him today, we, we are making that prayer that Elias might one day come to know and trust that promise for himself. But I want you to know this. That reality isn't just for Elias. It's for you and me as well. You see, if you're not a Christian, maybe you're exploring Christianity, I hope you realize that God's promise to make us blameless was for foreigners as well. It was for people on the outside, people who never grew up in a Christian family. It's easy to think sometimes that, oh, it's only people who grow up in a Christian family that are Christian. Well, no. Actually, in Genesis 17, circumcision was for people who were foreigners coming into God's people. Maybe you never grew up in a Christian family. 
Maybe this is the first time you're checking out Christianity for yourself. I want you to know from the very beginning, God's promise was for you as well. And he says to you this day, you know, you can join in on this as well, you know. You can be made blameless. You can have all your faults forgiven. You can have that fresh start. You can have that new life. You can be restored with God as well. And guess what? You don't even need to be circumcised to get it. Because you've already got Jesus. Jesus can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Jesus can make you what you cannot make yourself. He can make you blameless. And he can make you live in God's presence forever. And all you have to do is to trust that promise. All you have to do is to trust in Jesus. Let me pray. God, we thank you uh, that such an ancient book that, you written, that you've written for us, a book older than 1000 BC, can be a book that tells us the very truth that all of us need to hear. That in your word, you tell us precisely what's wrong with the world and our hearts, that we are not blameless, that our hearts are full of fault, full of sin, full of mistakes, full of regret. But thank you that you made a promise all the way back thousands of years ago in Genesis 17, that one day you would send a child of Abraham who would come and do for us what we cannot do for ourselves that you would send a child who would make us what we cannot make ourselves. And we thank you that at Christmas we remember that you kept that promise. You sent that child. You gave us your son. You gave us Jesus. Help us trust him for the new life, the faultless life, the blameless life that you now look and credit to us all on account of him. And these things we ask and pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.